0: So that'll be chapter 1 is the Copernican Revolution. So sort of a big change in our understanding of, of the universe that occurred uh, in the 14, late 14, early 1500s with Nicholas Copernicus. And he was one of the first, not the first, but one of the first to actually suggest that instead of the earth being at the center, that maybe things would make a lot more sense if the sun was at the center of the universe. Now didn't, didn't get to exactly to where we are today was still just changing what was at the center. So instead of the Earth being at the center of the universe, now the sun's at the center of the universe. So not to our current understanding, where we're no place special. But now the Sun is at that special place, instead of the Earth being at a special place in the universe. Now he wasn't the first. Actually, uh, one of the Greek astronomers, um, Aristarchus, actually suggested it, you know, uh, more than 1,000 years before, suggested it. But again, it came up with the idea that you need need some kind of evidence for it. And we were still, even at the time of Copernicus, we were a long way away from being able to measure things like parallax that would show that, yes, the Earth is really moving. So what we're going to look at in this chapter is, first of all, the motions of the planets. How do the planets appear to move in the sky? And they really have some interesting motions to them. They're not quite Not quite what the stars are. If you watch the stars, the stars rise in the east and set in the west and they stay the same. Look at Orion today and look at Orion next month and look at Orion next year and two years from now, and it looks the same. It hasn't changed. The planets don't do that. The planets uh, get their name from the Greek for wanderers because they they appear to wander through the stars. They wander through the constellations. They don't stay in one specific spot. And they have a very unusual motion that we'll look at here coming up. Birth of modern astronomy is usually considered the Renaissance in Europe. So the idea that then the Earth is not the center of the universe, the development of some of the laws of motion and gravity that we'll be talking about in the next couple of chapters that come up there are very important for, the, for that, for our understanding of you know, modern ideas. And then we'll look at some of what came up in the Renaissance, primarily the laws of planetary motion developed by Kepler that actually explained how the planets moved around the Sun and made, much, made predictions much easier than had been done previously. And we'll sort of lead in with Newton here. Newton's laws here. We're not talking about gravity. Actually, gravity is chapter 2 in this book. So we'll come to back we'll talk about Newton in this chapter in terms of his laws of motion and how things appear to move. And then next chapter will actually come up to, the, um, to his law of gravitation. So let me just give you a little bit on how the planets move. And here's an example. Uh, up in the little inset there is how a planet, if you looked at the planet over time, how it would appear to move. Not a very simple, Not a very simple motion. As you watch it, it comes around. It makes some sort of unusual l- loops. And then goes back again. Another time around it'll make a different kind of loop and come around here. And that means when you're looking at the planet, normally it wanders through the stars in nice direction, nice orderly direction. It's going here November, December, January. It's moving in one nice smooth direction. That's what the Sun does. That's what the Moon does. That makes sense. But then for no reason, you know, the planet's moving happily in this direction, for no apparent reason it decides to stop for a second turn around, go backwards, like it forgot something, I gotta run back and get something. Stops again, and then heads back off in the direction that it was intending again. So here, November, December, January, it's moving in the normal direction. Starting shortly after the beginning of January there, it reverses and heads back in the opposite direction, February and March. Then it slows down and reverses again, and starting in April, it heads off in the regular direction again. So that's one of the things that makes planets very difficult to try to explain their motion. They don't move in a very regular pattern. If they move like the sun, just easily around, they'd be very easily to, easy to predict. The planets don't move that way. They're really an unusual pattern to them. So not only moving with the respect to the stars, that's bad, but the sun and the moon do that too. So that, those we can kind of explain. but they change in their brightness. Well, sometimes they get brighter and sometimes they get fainter. If you use the model that was in place at the time, a geocentric model, meaning the Earth at the center, you would have the Earth here, and if you have Mars here orbiting around it, why is Mars sometimes getting brighter and sometimes fainter? It's always the same distance from the Earth. Everything circles, so we got a circle here, orbiting in a circle. The Mars shouldn't change. So there were things that had to be done to explain the brightness changes in order to explain how Mars moved around, around the Earth. How did it go? How come it decided to stop and go backwards and then go forward again? Again, a very difficult thing to explain. That backwards motion here, this is the regular motion. When it goes backwards, we call that retrograde motion. And they're difficult to describe in an Earth-centered system. It can be done. It's difficult but you can't explain. You can't explain all of those things. And in fact how it was typically done was there's the orbit of Mars. That's not Mars. That's another orbit. And here's Mars here. So Mars was on a circle and the center of that circle was the center of the orbit and that orbited around the Earth. Complicated, right? So not what you wanted to use. Now if you remember, when you want to calculate positions with this, this was what the Greeks were doing and through the Middle Ages and into the early Renaissance. No computers, no calculators, no nothing. So you're calculating it all out by hand. So very difficult to do the more complex it got. And as we got more and more accurate observations, you had to continually adjust things and offset things to really make it work. But it does explain retrograde motion. Normally, Mars is moving in this direction as it goes around, but when it swings on the inside here, on the inside of its retrograde loop of its what we call an epicycle, it will look like it goes backwards for a short period of time. You can adjust the size of this epicycle. You can adjust the speed of it orbiting around. You have enough parameters that you can adjust to actually match up the positions correctly. It'll explain some a little bit different distances. Sometimes Mars is a little bit closer and brighter. Sometimes Mars is a little bit further away and dimmer. So it works. In terms of a scientific model, the predictions it makes in terms of the planets are good. And it could predict them pretty, pretty well. So actually through the times of the Greeks, up into the Renaissance, we were starting to find that the errors were just getting too large. And that's about the time that Copernicus suggested that perhaps we use instead the we use the sun at the center instead and explain that. And that's, I'm just going to get that as the introduction then I'm going to come and we'll probably, get, we'll get through all of one and probably into two tomorrow so I'll make sure that two is released if you want to go and print out the slides so you have them there I'll have, I'll have those released for you. And then what I'm going to do the rest of the time, I should have said at the beginning, if you need to take a break, stretch, I just, I'm just going to tend to keep going because it's tough for me to stop for five minutes or ten minutes and then get everybody back and going If you need to get up and stretch or go to the, use the restroom, whatever, you're, you're more than welcome to at any time. I don't get offended if you get up. And, and most of you have already done so. That's fine. Feel free if you have to get up. Were there any questions? Again, I'm going to come back to this tomorrow and we'll get through a lot of the history and talk about that tomorrow. No? All right, let me.